Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. Here, it's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. Hey there, homies, it's Carly. I'm so glad that you are here. This is the official podcast of Intentional House, where we love to help soul-filled families create homes that build them up instead of bully them. Ever feel like your house is a bully to you? I know that lots of people do, and I know that I have in the past, but here in Intentional House, we're all about figuring out that sweet balance between approaching our house with care and concern and stewardship, but also being the boss and not letting our houses be the bully. Houses don't rule our lives. They actually don't have a brain. So it's a really good idea to you be the brain of your house and to let your house support you. (laughs) All right, over here. I have a funny story to share with you actually today. My kids ate our house plant today. You know, I'm glad that they like plants. They definitely eat their vegetables and I like to tell them to stop because they keep getting bigger and bigger every time I turn around and they just keep eating their vegetables much to my chagrin. But today I think they were pretending to be some sort of zebra or horse or something and they came into my room while I was doing my breathing exercises and they just each picked a leaf off of my plant and ate it and it didn't really concern me at first until one and then the other started crying saying that their mouth was really hurty <laughs> so I'm like looking in their mouths with my flashlight being like what in the world they're like there's something pokey in my mouth something's happening to me and then I realized, oh, it's because they ate the leaf of my house plant. And this happens to be a not particularly pet child friendly variety of plant, apparently. And it's one that you can touch. It's one that's never caused any problems. I've had it for, I'm trying to think now, five years. So I have had little tiny babies. I have put the plant up. We have had no problems, no run-ins until my eight-year-old and my four-year-old <laughs> pick off a leaf of my plant and eat it. So as I research my plant, I use my plant identification app to figure out what exactly this plant is that I have because I got it as a gift. And uh, it turns out that this plant can be a, a little bit poisonous. And so... <laughs> I'm reading all about it. Like, how serious is this? Do we need to call poison control? Do we need to go to the doctor? What's happening? I give him some water. Nothing's helping. (laughs) But I learn that this plant is fine and it will make your skin irritated for a minute and then you'll be okay. My kids are totally fine now. It took like 20 minutes and then they were fine. But it was definitely... 20 minutes full of learning experiences. So that was entertaining and sad and a little bit scary today, but we made it through. And the point that I'd like to make today is maybe that's worth a discussion. Maybe that's worth just, you know, a little sit down with the kids like, what kind of plants do we eat? Maybe the ones in the fridge, maybe the ones in the garden, maybe like kitchen plants are good to eat, but maybe not like shelf plants. I think that's going to be our rule. We don't eat shelf plants, and that might be something that they can remember. Although, I don't think they're going to need any reminders. I think that is one that they learned. Fun. Well, today I have a fun, exciting uh, topic to talk to you about. 
we're going to be talking about nailing transitions. And I want to share with you a workshop that I ran a couple of years ago now, all about how the, the times when you are coming and going from your house or when you're transitioning from one activity to another, how those can often be the times of most contention or most pressure or most stress that you feel um, in your home and in your relationships. So uh, for my family, we just got off this awesome, epic four-week road trip up the west coast of the United States and it was so fun and we had a ball and now we're home and we're tired and from living in 200 square feet to now the basement apartment which is 1500 square feet it feels like a mansion and I'm feeling like why do I have all this stuff I'm so overwhelmed by my huge life uh and with work and with kids and being excited to be home and holidays and all the things like it's just felt like a lot it's been a poignant transition so I'm excited to talk with you guys about this today to have you listen to this workshop because if we can nail transitions and if we can think about transitions before we're in the middle of them we will give ourselves the best chance the best shot that we can to uh like keep our heads on straight to keep our crap together as a mom and to help our kids do the same. So I hope you enjoy. Here is Nailing Transitions. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Nailing Transitions workshop. So transitions, eh? Transitions, you ask? These are the blessed time when we move from one thing to the next. And if you nail them, you don't notice them. They kind of fade away and they become a delight, right? You just don't even recognize that you're transitioning. Things go smoothly. But if you mess them up, life blows up. So the perfect transition, first of all, doesn't exist. But if it did, it'd be a scene from the Brady Bunch, right? Like Mike Brady comes home. He drops off his bag. He comes into the kitchen to kiss his wife who is first of all ready for the day. The kids gather, they punch his shoulder, he ruffles their hair. The maid has made dinner and everyone sits down to talk about who stepped on the lawn today and when is Jan getting asked to the dance and when's the big game on, right? Uh, So we, we kind of imagine that this might be a perfect situation and it doesn't exist, first of all, right? Like usually our expectations are off when it comes to transitions and that's okay. But when we open our eyes and we get intentional about how we want our transitions to flow, then we can make informed intentional decisions about how we can change them. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So while it sounds fun to have a perfect transition that is just easy and upbeat and seamless, Often we're experiencing something that looks a little bit more like this, right? Maybe you maybe you've experienced something like this. You're on your way out the door to take your oldest son to his soccer practice. You ask everyone to get on their shoes. You ask again. On the seventh time, you're starting to feel stressed and your voice gets a little more intense and the toddler loses his stuff. Like he wigs out, has a total meltdown. Has this ever happened to you? Has this ever been your life where you're on your way out the door and somebody is screaming? Okay, this has happened to everybody. This is totally real life, and it's part of the nature of a toddler, right? 
but knowing the nature of the toddler and specifically your toddler, you have to remember that they can't handle intensity very well. And while to you and me, getting on your shoes and getting out the door like doesn't feel that intense, we've done that at least eight trillion times. To a toddler, that's a big deal. That involves a lot of skills that they haven't quite mastered. That it involves like the pressure of timing. It involves thinking ahead a couple of steps. So this is a big ask to transition. And all children are like this. It's important to remember that uh, going from one thing to a different thing, shifting gears, transitioning is hard for most children. It's a learned skill. You and I have been doing this for years and they have been doing it for like maybe one year consciously, right? So we need to give our kids a little bit of a break. Uh, but when we recognize where we're at, when we recognize we have a toddler, we have young children, we can meet them where they are and set them up for success and set us up for success too, right? So when we take into account and create a system that meets them and meets us, that works for everybody's abilities, everybody's age and our family, it gets us out the door, but it gets us out the door happily. And it helps preserve relationships, which really are what matter, right? Does it really matter if your son is five minutes late to a soccer practice? Probably not in the grand scheme of things. But uh, it matters how they feel. Your kids feel when they think about being with you. And each of these transitions is going to be a very big input point with how your kids feel around you. If they feel like you're barking at them or aren't understanding, then there's going to be problems. But if they feel like you see them, if they feel like you understand their perspective, and if they feel like you've got their back and that they have time to make mistakes and grow, different, different story, game changer. So when you think about it, many of the power struggles that we have at home are because of transition problems. Kids don't want to stop playing the game. You don't want to wake up. And neither does your husband. <laughs> and, and that's a conflict point. The house is a disaster. We're late. You're late. We're hoping to transition quicker, quieter, easier. And often we haven't taken the time to plan and practice our transitions. Let me say that again. We haven't taken the time to plan and practice our transitions. And there, my friend, is the rub. Transitions usually involve very physical areas of our houses. So we're often moving from one area and one activity to another area and another activity. We're coming and going. Uh, we're trying to, to get everybody on the, a different bandwagon going in a different direction. And it triggers mutiny. We've learned these things over time, how to come and go, how to transition. And eventually our kids will too. We are not in the, in the game of producing a perfectly transitioning eight-year-old. We are in the game of producing a perfectly transitioning 20-year-old, an adult, right? When we're teaching our children, we are teaching toward adulthood. Kids don't need to be perfect as kids. And let's be clear, adults don't need to be perfect either. But things like this take time. So our homes are the perfect place to practice transition stuff, right? They are the perfect setting to learn. You have your props included to teach these lessons. So let's take our houses and the areas we need to use in order to have successful transitions and let's make them our tools, our friends, our allies, 
Our houses become our tools instead of the torture devices that set us up for death and destruction and occasional dismemberment among our family members. So when you're transitioning, often it, it does involve a prop. It involves something in the house. It's the, it's the VC, I was going to say VCR. <laughs> it's the controller for the game that your, your kid is playing. It's the shoes that aren't getting on in time. It's the car seat buckle that takes 25 minutes to get buckled. We have these props, these, these um, physical items we're using usually in or with our homes that need to be put down, put away, picked up, used, used appropriately. That's where the conflict arises from. So why is it even important to consider transitions? Well, again, you know when your transitions are crappy. <laughs> you know when you're having a really hard time with your transitions. And if you want to live that life, that's fine. Usually, this is something that, again, kids will grow out of. In 10 years, it'll probably get better um, just automatically through practicing. But what an opportunity that you have to make these transitions a connection point. What an opportunity for you to enjoy your life while you have kids under 10 <laughs> instead of just looking forward to them being 20, right? Like we don't want to wish away our kids' childhood. We are all here wanting to connect with them. We want it to be fun. We want them to enjoy themselves. But we also, as moms, want to enjoy ourselves in the daily life. So if we can figure out how to make transitions a delight, a breeze, then your life just got so much easier, so much more joyful, so much more fun. You can teach all your friends. Everybody's going to love you. And there will be much rejoicing in the land, okay? So there are five main types of transitions that I want you to keep in mind, okay? The first one is home to away. You're at home. You need to go away. Transition. Away to home. This is when your husband comes home from work or when you bring the kids back from an activity. The third one is between activities. So this is from lunch to nap time or from screen time to playtime or from sleeping time to awake time between activities kind of in your house the fourth type of transitions are between roles so this is when you transition from being a play a play friend with your kids a playmate and you're transitioning to being a homemaker you have chores that you need to get done or you need to be the chauffeur. I mean, as moms, we have so many hats that we wear. Chef, chauffeur, nurse, playmate. I feel like a, like a, a parole officer. <laughs> we have to keep checking in, make sure nobody's doing stupid stuff. Um, as we're transitioning between these activities, we kind of get accustomed to one hat on, the other hat on, wearing five hats at the same time. And that's that's hard, right? In our brain, something has to switch between... I'm also being a, a a nurse, but I'm also like trying to lice all the toilet while we're here because when we're in the bathroom getting your Band-Aid, I just realized that I need to clean this toilet. So I'll just do it really quick while we're here because we're here anyway. Might as well do that. Um, I'm here to tell you that we need to one hat at a time. You can do quick changes if you want, but the transitions matter. So between roles, that was the fourth type of transition. And then the fifth type of transition is between intentional house stages. So uh, the intentional house cycle is something that I teach and it 
it has four stages where at the top you have your vision of what you would like the ideal to be or where you're heading. This is your compass, your direction. As you progress around the circle to the right, the next stage is your experience stage. So this is where you're using your house to do the thing of your vision. So if your vision is a beautiful kitchen, uh, the experience would be cooking with my family. You're using your kitchen. You're having an experience in your kitchen. Then at the bottom of this intentional house cycle, you have discomfort. Inevitably, uh, you're done cooking. The cookies have been made. You have done the experience. Everybody's gone home from the party and you have discomfort. Or you're all together having a great time and somebody elbows the other one in the face and like everything explodes. You're feeling discomfort and that's okay. And then as you move around the circle, the last stage is growth. This is where you get to ask a question. And the question is, am I choosing to change my perspective or am I choosing to change my environment? Uh, so you need to do both. Secret, both. You first change your perspective and then you change your environment. You have to get centered. It's an opportunity to get centered and then make any necessary changes to your house, which then will propel you back toward the top of the intentional house cycle and help you reevaluate your vision and what you actually need from your house. Okay? So when you're transitioning between these intentional house stages, sometimes it's tricky. And this is one transition that just gets thrown at you usually. You have a perfectly clean kitchen and then somebody's using it. And you walk in and there's somebody in your kitchen doing something you didn't expect. You've transitioned. Or, you know, maybe it's more purposeful and you're like, it's time to make lunch. Everybody come over. Let's make lunch. We're using the space. Uh, but then discomfort, you can anticipate discomfort often, but often also it is surprising. So we're surprised by discomfort. That's a hard transition. And usually we want to transition out of it. We just want to get out of there. We don't want to sit in our discomfort. We want it to be over. We want the transition to come quickly. We're looking forward to it in a fear-based sort of way. Uh, and then as you're transitioning into growth, that's a hard one to stop at too. Usually we just like to skip growth and transition straight from discomfort back to ideal. Get it back the way it was. Hurry, clean it up, pick it up, make me comfortable. Decrease my anxiety from discomfort instead of asking the hard questions that are really imperative. So as we are transitioning between these intentional house stages, often we get triggered. And often uh, this is when we have the most opportunity as well. So for all of these transitions, again, home to away, away to home, between activities at home, between roles at home, or even away from home, right? Between intentional house stages. We can employ four steps to create a seamless transition experience. So in all those transition types, you can use four steps to create a seamless experience. You can apply these steps to transitioning from work to home. You can, you can transition when you put the kids to bed and you want to connect with your spouse on an adult level. Have you thought of that as a transition from mom to like peer with your spouse? When it's time to move the family from lunch to outside play, you can use these steps uh, when you help everybody calm down from a crazy, exciting holiday party and they are psycho humans jumping on the couch, eating all the candy that they can find and not listening, right? Uh, and you can help them kind of become normal, functioning, and maybe quieter humans. 
in the house. This is a transition. So let's get into it. Let's get into these four steps because this is what you need to know. This is going to be the thing that makes the difference in your life, knowing these four steps. So as we go through each of these steps, please pick a transition that is a struggle for you. When I was describing the five main types of transitions, one probably stood out to you. Think about, oh, this is, this is a particularly hard transition for me. When I go from the laundry room to the kitchen because I've been doing something quickly and then I'm required to slow down to listen to my kids. Whatever it is for you, whatever the transition is, I want you to keep it in your mind. Write it down at the top of your paper. Uh, we'll use this transition as we go through the process. And when I'm giving examples, you can plug it into your example, okay? So the four steps to nailing transitions are, first, identify what you want. Second, understand and plan for obstacles. Third, prepare and practice your transitions. Fourth, stay present. All right, let's jump in. Oh, I'm so excited for you to know this. So the first step is identifying what you want, okay? We all have expectations of how we want things to go. In a perfect world, what would this transition look like to you? I want you to write this down. Brooke Castillo calls this your manual. This is the set of instructions you just really wish everybody would follow. You think that they're common sense. Another secret, they're not common sense. Nobody knows what your expectations are and nobody has actually read your manual. Unless you have written it out for them and given it to them. Wouldn't that be nice, right? So write down what your expectations are for this transition. If you are transitioning from working to being a mom with your kids, that is a particular and a tricky transition, right? What does this look like in the, in the Mike Brady world of your life? What do you wish it would be that you're disappointed when it's not? For me, when I'm transitioning from working to being a mom, I want it to feel seamless. I want my kids to just come back to me as the person that tells them what to do, transitioning from a babysitter or from my husband as like point man in their life. I want them to be still and quiet and just come and give me a kiss on the cheek and say, welcome home, mother dear, how we missed you. You know, I want the house to be clean. I want my brain to be quiet. Often when I'm coming home from work, I operate at a higher intake and output level. It's just a little bit of a faster turn, right? And when I step out of my home office, what a transition, right? Uh, into a different kind of chaos. It's, it's tricky for me because my mind is going like problem solving mode. What's the next thing? Get it done. Focus. Don't get in my way. Don't slow me down. And kids are designed to get in your way and slow you down. The point of being a mom is to not get it done. So I have to make a meaningful transition, right? And I need to understand that I have expectations of this transition, period. And maybe they're relevant, maybe they're helpful, and maybe they're not, but just to understand that it exists is the first step. So write down what you expect this transition to look like, what you would love this transition to look like. And it's probably going to be something you've never even thought consciously about before. So take a minute and write down all the steps that it takes to execute this transition. Be specific. I want you to start with like, I stand up from my chair at my home office desk. I close my laptop. I walk to the door handle. I open it up. 
I open the door. I walk out the door. I say, hello, Thornock team. And all the kids come running and we do a big group hug and they all tell me how happy they are and how kind they were to one another while I was working and how they would love anything I make for dinner because I'm such a loving parent. And you know what I mean? To go through step by step. Okay. So after you've completed this step-by-step transition, expectation, your manual, we're going to go back and edit it. It doesn't have to be perfect. I just want you to get a first draft down. Okay. I need you to recognize that you can ask for what you want. You can prepare yourself and others for this to happen, but you can never force anyone to do the things in this manual. You own your manual. This is your manual and this is not anybody else's manual. So what I mean here is critical that you understand. While you may have expectations for a perfect transition and while you may hope for things to go in a certain way, others can comply or they cannot comply. They get to choose. And you have the opportunity to also choose to feel the way you want to feel even if your manual is not being followed. My friend said this to me the other day and I was like, yes, this is it. She's like, we should join a club or create the club called MAFA, Mothers Against Free Agency. And I was like, yes, we do. What is this free agency thing? Why does everybody get to choose? Why can't they just do by manual? Thank you, Brooke Castillo, for the idea of the manual. No, we really aren't against free agency. Free agency is the point. It is the perfect tool for learning what we need to learn. But boy, isn't it tricky sometimes? It's so tricky to have free agency running around outside your body. So recognize that you own these expectations. And just because you have expectations does not give you grounds to force anyone to do anything. The only way that you can influence somebody else's choices to follow your manual or your wants is to listen to their own manual and love them. That's the best way to do it, okay? Included in these expectations, I want to make sure that you have put in timeline expectations in your manual. I want you to see if your ideal expectations for a timeline, we're going to get out the door in six minutes and we will load the car in one minute and we will be out the door seven minutes from the time that I say the first time it's time to go. If that's like your ideal, <laughs> that's great. Um, is it realistic? Maybe reevaluate if it's realistic. Is that what your, your kids are trained to do at this very point? Is that what you're trained to do? Is that how it goes? Take a minute and, and think about it. And if you want, take a day and experiment with it. If your transition is, again, coming home, coming uh, from work to motherhood, from working at home to being a mom, uh, the timeline is 30 seconds. There is not a drive home. You don't have a commute. There is not anything that forces you to transition for longer than 30 seconds, right? So while we have our ideal timelines, we also have a realistic timeline that we need to marry with it. But there are two other timelines that we need to consider, and these are comfortable timelines and excessive timelines. So 
Um, while realistic is good, I want you to take it one step further and think, oh, I want this to be a comfortable timeline transition. So for me coming from my home office into being a full mom, full mom mode, how would that be a comfortable transition for me so I can keep my head on straight and feel peace? What would be comfortable? And I'll tell you what, I need to build in transitions. I need to build in a longer, more intentional transition. That is the key. So a comfortable transition for me looks like this. At five minutes to when I need to step out that door, I close my laptop and I turn on my lamp and shut off the lights and I meditate. And I meditate for four minutes. Then I breathe for one minute and I visualize being a mom again and I visualize my children being themselves And as I walk to the door, I say a gratitude affirmation of, I'm so grateful for this time I had to work and I'm so grateful to be a mom now. And I step through the door and when I close the door, I leave my office stuff in the office and then I can transition. So that is comfortable to me. And then I plan five minutes on the other end to transition to motherhood. So I hold my kids. I listen to all their stories and look in their eyes for five minutes. I let them show me their tricks. I let them bring me the book that they were just reading. I let them tell me about the game they're playing where they're Paw Patrol and they're on a mission and their babysitter is the mission controller or the villain and I have to listen and I'm part of it. I become part of their world. And this is such a cool part of transitioning, especially with kids. If you want a quick transition, become part of their world. Become a Paw Patrol dude. Become Ryder. Become Zuma. You become part of their world. And then you take the game to include what you need to get done. Uh, We run into problems when we expect something on the other side of the transition to happen immediately. For instance, if I transition from my home office, it's five o'clock and I step out the door and then we need to be somewhere at 510 and I'm kind of barking at everybody, get on your shoes, we gotta go, we're in a hurry, hurry, take the babysitter home, we have to be to soccer practice at 515, it's five minutes away, get in the car, we don't have any time. If those are the messages that I'm sending, they're not gonna get on board. It's gonna be much more difficult than if I did take the time to transition into the space that I have into the relationships on the other side of the transition and then move everybody forward. For instance, it would look like this. Hi, everybody. What are you playing? Oh, you're playing Paw Patrol. Ooh, can, can I be Sky? I love being Sky. Are you happy? Did you have so much fun with your babysitter? Okay, I'm going to be Sky. I'm putting on my airplane wings. I'm putting on my airplane wings. What are you? Who are you? Oh, you're Zuma. Okay, Zuma. Can we find the babysitter's shoes? You go find babysitter's shoes and I'll get babysitter her money. Okay, ready, go. Do you see? And then they get the shoes, babysitter gets paid, and you're out the door because you joined their world. This makes for a comfortable timeline. You need in your head to imagine it's going to take one minute longer to enter their world and to connect with them in a comfortable, easy way. And then you're going to save 15 minutes off the back end. I promise you. Really embrace this idea of a comfortable timeline. So we have your ideal timeline, what you think in your head is going to work. Realistic timeline, what you've experienced in the past. 
a comfortable timeline where you give yourself just a little bit of room to make it happen in a very positive way without stressing yourself out. And then we have an excessive timeline as well. This is when you just give yourself way too much time. (laughs) You need buffer time in order for something to be comfortable. To get to soccer practice when it takes five minutes, you might ideally plan for, okay, we're going to get out the door. It takes five minutes to get there. So we need to leave like six minutes early. That's your ideal. Realistically, you know, it takes 10 minutes to find shoes and takes 10 minutes to get to the car and then five minutes to drive. So you're 25 minutes away in this transition. A comfortable time would be maybe just a couple more minutes, just so you have a little bit of buffer. You feel great about it. 30 minutes, 30 minutes even. But then excessive would be 50 minutes, where the time that it's excessive would be maybe 30 minutes, where you've misjudged on the other side, where you find yourself like twiddling your thumbs at soccer practice, entertaining five kids in the back of the car, while the one kid runs around the soccer field waiting for everybody else to come. You're in kind of an awkward position, right? So while you need buffer time, and while you're honing in on what that buffer time is, you also need to plan for buffer time fillers for when you accidentally plan for too much time. These can be anything from games in the car to, I mean, some people use shows. I feel like this isn't a great use of screen time to just do buffer time fillers, but that's probably our default. So if you are using screen time as a default here, be intentional about it and choose one game that you play together on your phone only as a buffer time filler. In our family, we like Battleship. There's a fun Battleship app that's so fun. And we all take a turn and choose a coordinate and cheer as we win Battleship, right? Something like this that's interactive uh, and very, very specific to buffer time. Okay. Uh, Other things that we really, really like to do, we like to play the animal game, which is basically 20 questions, but about animals. And we definitely don't limit to 20 questions, but I've been very impressed with my kids' ability to show up for the animal game. And granted, they are three through six, but they're asking questions about like, does it hibernate? Does it have fur? Is it bigger than a man? You know what I mean? They kind of are, are learning how to play this game and it's really fun. They love it every time because they love animals. So if your kid is into, oh, I don't know, unicorns or I'm like trying to get in girl mode. Like what do girls talk about in like singing, coloring, like go where they are, choose something that they could talk about for 10 years and then incorporate that into your buffer time filler. Okay. So you have your ideal timeline, your realistic timeline, your comfortable timeline and your excessive timeline. You need to account for all of these. I would recommend landing in the comfortable zone. This is where you feel great. You're getting things done in a timely manner. Uh, It's realistic, but you also have a little bit of swing on your buffer. Okay? Cool. So you own your manual. You know your timeline. You've nailed it down. You have expectations, and you know that they're your own, and you have identified what you want from this transition. This is so important. Okay, so we are ready to go to the second step to nailing transitions, and this is understanding and planning for obstacles. A lot of times we we write down our ideal and we don't think about all the things that could go wrong in a transition, and then we're surprised when they do. Uh, This is fun. 
because <laughs> we don't need to be surprised. Usually it's the same things over and over. And then you can also plan to be surprised too. Like it can be part of your plan that you're going to be surprised by an obstacle every now and again. Every now and again, you're going to have a blowout diaper that just gets you, gets the kid, gets the car seat and everything in between. And you have to call the friend you're meeting and tell them we will be 20 minutes late. So sorry. Right. Uh, so you can even plan for something that you can't plan for. So think about on your paper, answer this question. What is going to trip you up as you are going through this transition? What are the things that are going to go wrong? Maybe as you're transitioning from work to home, you are going to be in the middle of an email sequence and it's time for you to step out the door. Maybe you are checking your social media or trying to do a collaboration, or maybe you are uh, in the middle of your art. Maybe you're an artist, like whatever it is that is your work. How could that make for a difficult transition? And then when you get on the other side of the door, what could be going wrong there that could make this for a difficult transition? Is every single towel and sheet out of your linen closet on the floor? Have they gotten into snacks in a wild, crazy sort of way? Maybe you can't find your children and they've gone on a walk. What could go wrong that in your mind would be like, ah, this is ruining the transition? Write them all down. What happens when people don't comply with your transition ideal? What are you going to do? This, my friends, is called establishing boundaries, which is awesome. While you cannot control another person to do your manual, what you can do is decide what you will do when they don't. For instance, in this example of me transitioning from working at home to being a mom in mom mode, um, something that could go wrong is my kid could be bleeding. It happens more often than not just because they are running and sliding on the carpet and they tear up their knees, right? Stuff like this happens all the time. So I come out and they're like, mom, I'm bleeding. I can decide, oh, we actually need to get the babysitter home. Uh, here's a band-aid and we're going to move through. And I can just be like, oh, sorry, you're bleeding. Right? This is an extreme example. I'm realizing. Uh, but something else I could decide is if there's blood, I will stop everything to address it. Or what if my house is in mass chaos? I can choose to still be happy, but I can also choose to require that everybody clean it up before the babysitter leaves. Like this is a choice that I have. So I get to choose when things go wrong, how I want to handle it. This has nothing to do with anybody else. This is just how I want to handle these obstacles. Okay. When you own your choices and your boundaries, um, you have so much freedom. This is truly ultimate freedom. And it kind of comes back to deciding what's important to you, right? So is it better to be late to the activity and fully clothed? Or is it better to you to be on time, but without shoes? You get to decide which hill you die on. And when I say die on, I don't think you need to die. I think you could be perfectly happy, but you get to decide. And uh, you need to choose what is most important to you because uh, there's going to be times when everything else is going to crumble and you need to decide like, oh, it's important to me that we're punctual. 
So we are punctual. And if that means you don't have shoes, so be it. If it means that you didn't eat all of your snack, so be it. If it means that I don't have my makeup on, so be it. But or if you choose, it's important that we are put together before we leave the house then sometimes you're going to be late. You just need to choose what's most important to you. You get one priority. Let me say this again. You get one priority. Priority is one of those words that we we make um, plural, priorities. But the origin of the word means the most important thing. The most important thing. You get one priority. So if your priority as a mom is to be on time, that is fine. Great. Perfect. But that's the priority. If your priority as a mom is to love your people and to show them what it means to be loved and to be loving, that's your priority. And actually, that's my invitation to you, choosing love as a priority, choosing who you want to be in the long term. You're going to feel a lot more satisfied at the end of the day than if you showed up everywhere on time. It's a different kind of satisfaction. But I want you to ask that hard question and uh, understand what's most important to you in this transition. Again, my invitation to you is to choose love. Okay, we'll get, we'll get to that too in just a minute. All right, so here's an example of choosing your priority. A while ago, we were really struggling with getting to church on time. I don't know if anybody else, you know, this on-time thing is just a thing when you're having kids maybe. But my husband was super sick at this time when we were really struggling, and he was in bed always. For months and months and months in bed. I couldn't even get out of bed. And he couldn't help at all. And when I found myself doing an overwhelm, um, I felt completely legitimate about it. Like, this transition is not happening. I probably shouldn't even try. It's really difficult for me to do this alone. Cool. That was important for me to notice. But when I pulled myself together for a second and I made a decision, I realized that my priority was to be happy and loving with my kids. Was it my priority to be on time? No. Was it my priority to be dressed well? No. I had to let all those things go because my priority was feeling peaceful and happy with my children. So when we showed up to church, we were peaceful and happy. It might be only for five minutes and then it would be over. But I decided that we were going to be peaceful and happy and I wasn't going to do the the fight to go to church to learn how to be nice right? Like I decided if we can't be kind getting out the door, then we're missing the point of going to church anyway. That is going to be, this is my, my goal. Okay. So surprisingly, when my priority was changed to feeling peaceful and happy, I made preparations to get ourselves out the door in a very comfortable timeline. Ha! It was amazing, mind-blowing. So once I decided we'd be happy, I was hardly ever late. And usually we had all of our clothes on. I think we only had to go back for shoes like once. <laughs> uh, or and I think I only brought the kids to, without shoes once or twice. You know, you just got to do what you got to do sometimes, right? So we're doing our best. Our church building was 20 minutes away. I started herding the kids to the car a full 40 minutes before start time. It took us 12 minutes to get to the car because we smelled flowers and we had to go back to use the bathroom a couple times. And then it took six minutes to get everyone buckled. And then we for sure hit a couple stoplights. And I just added that into my comfortable timeline, something that would make me feel happy. And we would make it in time, happily, me alone, without my partner. 
And then when Chase could jump in and help me when he started feeling better, it was so awesome. Then we just were all happy, right? And we could get it done quickly. And it was just like icing on the cake. But sometimes when we're working with another person, it's easy to give away our happiness priority because we feel pressure. So if your priority is to not feel pressure, you're going to make different decisions than if your priority is to engage happily and lovingly with your kids. What's your priority? What are you going to do when you hit those obstacles to plan for them and to still hit your priority, to still accomplish the most important thing to you, no matter what? Wow, fun, huh? Okay, write that down. Number three, the third step to nailing transitions, prepare and practice. You know, we just think transitions should happen super easily. So now you know a comfortable transition for yourself. You know what obstacles you're going to hit. You have never been more aware of your transitions, right? But now you need to vocalize these expectations or this plan, right? Expectations we can't force on anyone, but we can invite them to participate in a plan. So you can prepare yourself to explain the transition. Uh, You can prepare your home to support the transition. Are your shoes by the front door? Are your shoes in a spot? Are, do the kids know where their shoes are? Are they in charge of their shoes or do they usually take off their shoes and then you put them away somewhere? Uh, Are your props helping you accomplish your priority? Are you preparing and setting the stage for this transition to happen the way that you want? Okay. These are the things you need to think about. And then you need to talk about it with your family over dinner, at a family meeting, however you want, but walk them through the transition. So every day, kids, I am at work. I guess in our family, it's not every day. But when I, when mommy is doing work in her office and you have your babysitter, or maybe you're with grandma the clock is going to strike five o'clock. Who knows what the number five looks like? Me, blah, blah, blah. You have a little moment of teaching what five looks like. Cool. Okay. And then I'm going to come out of my office. Here's what I'm going to say every day. And here's what we're going to do. And then I'm going to ask you to go get on your shoes so we can take the babysitter home. Who knows where shoes are? Who knows why we wear shoes? What would happen if we didn't wear shoes? You get to choose whether you wear shoes or not. Maybe, right? You get, to, you get to decide. You're the mom. You get to decide the rules, right? Uh, and then you have them tell you. You practice. You talk them through this. And then you get down to it and you actually do it. Let's pretend. Let's pretend that it's happening right now. You guys be in the kitchen and I'm going to be in my office doing work. And then I'm going to come out and I'm going to say, Hey, Thornock team, and what are you going to do? So you talk through it again, and then you actually do it, right? You go in the office, you practice a transition, you get on your shoes, you get out the door, you sit in the car, you drive to the babysitter's house, and you drive home, and you celebrate, and everybody gets a huge high five, and then you run around and and do a dance party, okay? So you need to practice this with your kids because they don't know. They don't know what it's supposed to look like to take the babysitter home. They don't know what it looks like to transition from babysitter to mom as the one you listen to. They're just still learning. So you have to teach them super explicitly and prepare your house and prepare them and prepare yourself to make this a successful transition. 
So whatever this involves, shoes, a comb, getting a snack, packing your lunch, picking up your backpack, uh, taking five deep breaths, not jumping on the couch, not hitting your brother. Like you got to practice these things. They have to know that it's an expectation. They need to practice it so they know what to do. And then you praise, 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 praise as long as you can, as much as you can in excess you praise. Great job. You guys are so good at doing this transition thing and teach them about transitions. Use the words, use the verbiage of like, okay, we're coming up to a transition. Who remembers what a transition is? Can you imagine if every college kid knew how to transition? If they knew how to like wake themselves up and the process that it took to like get into a clear mental state in order to engage in class. There are times that I can remember in college where I was a foggy, sleepy girl, right? Uh, If we can teach our kids this, they're going to be more successful adults. All right. So we're down to the fourth step now of nailing transitions. And here's what I want you to know. You need to embrace being present. When we're trying to transition and we're trying to hurry, everything gets way harder. Everything does. And when you aren't in the moment and you're looking forward to where you need to be and you have this mindset of go, 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 um, chaos, chaos will ensue. So while you're planning your time, I need you to consider the principle of oobleck time. Have you ever played with oobleck? Oobleck is the fancy term for the cornstarch and water mixture you made in seventh grade science class. And when you put your hand into this like gluey substance and then squeeze a handful of it, it turns solid. But when you let go of your fe- your fist, uh, it gets liquid again. This is the principle that time expands to fit the pressure you feel. Time expands to fit the pressure you feel. So if you are feeling stressed, if you're feeling like you don't have enough time, if you are in scarcity mode instead of abundance mode, you're going to have a fistful of hard oobleck with lots of resistance. But if you lean in, you recognize that transitions aren't going to go perfectly a lot of the time, that we're learning, that you're here to help, you plan for your comfort buffers, and you recognize that as you lean into the whole experience and you see the people that you're with while you're moving them through a transition, you're going to have enough time. You're not going to experience the resistance that you would if you just clamped down and were iron-fisted. Sometimes it's easy to think that this transition is going to last forever. Like while I'm waiting for my children to buckle their own car seats, I feel like it takes 27 years. I really do. That is one of the hardest things for me to stay present while they buckle and while they kind of like fart around and do whatever they are doing in the backseat. And I can lovingly encourage them to keep on task, but to sit and be kind and to not just zone out on my phone and then yell something mean to the backseat. Are you buckled yet? Instead to be like, okay, I'm waiting to hear a click. Everybody be quiet. We're waiting for clicks. Who can do it? Who can do it before I count backwards from 17? Should I count fast or slow? Like, how can you help move these people through their transition in a way that leans into the transition and without succumbing to the this is going to last forever, kill me now mindset? <laughs> right? That is the key. So, oobleck time, embrace being present, 
Something that helps to be present is to listen to your body, which is fascinating. If we can tune in to our senses, that helps us be more present. It helps us be in the here and now. If you can try to think about the thing that you feel that your body can touch that feels the lightest, like what's the softest thing you can feel right now? A hair on your ear? Uh, the cuff of your pants? Maybe like a line, a seam on your undershirt? Like what's the, the lightest thing you can feel? What's something you smell while you're waiting? Go through these senses and help yourself be present while you could be twiddling or yelling, right? So those are the four steps, my friends, to nailing transitions. Identify what you want, understand and plan for obstacles, prepare and practice, and stay present. Oh my goodness, you're a transition expert. I can't wait for you to try it out. The master of transitions is Mr. Rogers. He nails it. He stays calm the whole time. He is so great because he knows this superb and lasting secret. When you tie transitions to your environment and to your behavior, you create a habit that becomes automatic. Let me say this again. When you tie transitions to your environment, so that's your house, and your behavior, what you're doing, you create a habit that becomes automatic. Your behavior is tied to your environment, okay? So you could tell me this. You could, you could tell me this off the top of your head. What does Mr. Rogers do to transition? When he comes in that door singing, it's such a good feeling. What does he do? He looks at the camera. He smiles. He goes to the closet. He takes off his cardigan. He hangs it up. He puts on another cardigan. He gets his house shoes out. He sits on his bench. He takes off his street shoes. He puts on one sneaker. He tosses the other. And then he puts it on to a song. It is a choreographed transition. You need this in your transitions too. You need to choreograph your transitions. And if it helps you to do it to a song, by all means, do it. Kids are great with songs. Humans are great with songs. Choose a song that will help you transition from work to home. Choose a song that will help you get into adult talking time mode after you put the kids to bed that will help you wind down, that will be a trigger to your brain. Oh, I'm putting on a different hat. I'm doing something new. I need to transition here. Do not underestimate the power of song and of a little bit of choreography, a little good old fashioned choreography. Okay. So my invitation to you is to write a transition plan now that you know all the steps that you need to consider. Do this by tomorrow night. You have 24 hours give or take. Make your new and improved manual full of things that are completely in your court and in your control and that are aligned with your priority. Set yourself up for success in every way you can imagine. Get some environmental cues. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with others. Give yourself what you need to show up in the way you want to show up for these transitions. Lean in to the power of relaxation and watch those power struggles melt away. Transitions can be such a magical time, such a great connection point, and we have the opportunity to connect in this way so many times a day. 
So take advantage of those. Take advantage of those opportunities. As always, let me know how it goes. And we'll talk soon, friends. Bye. Hey, do you just love this podcast? There's even more housey, homey family goodness to explore over at intentionalhouse.com. 